Today's episode of The Teardown is brought to you by GameTime. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think NASCAR tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the race? You can find the answer with GameTime. The ticket-buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue can actually save you some serious cash. GameTime is the leader in last-minute tickets. You pick your deal, you see the view from where you're sitting, and you buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have already downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the race. So download GameTime in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last-minute tickets. everybody welcome back to another edition of the teardown my name is jeff gluck here on the athletic and i'm with my co-worker george bianchi here at kansas speedway uh where we just saw the second round elimination race shockingly to me at least uh brad keselowski eliminated and chase elliott ends up getting in Jordan, wow, that was, uh, I'm not sure we saw that coming heading into that final restart, unless you did. I mean, what, what was your impression of, of seeing that whole thing happen? I thought going into the race, I thought Brad Keselowski was pretty much in a good spot, unless Chase Elliott or one of those other four, other three drivers below the cut line won. I thought he was going to be okay, and he just had a miserable race. They didn't have speed in their car in the second half of the race, and it came down to it, and Elliott had a terrific restart, put himself in position, and when Brad needed a restart there at the end, he, and he didn't get it. He got going fine, but then he got bottled up in traffic and couldn't pass cars, and then he started to push, push a little bit and then got into the wall himself, and that was just all she wrote. So, yeah, I, I'm stunned. I, I mean, I, we said this last week on this podcast. We thought three Penske cars were going to move on to the semifinals, and that's not the case. There's only two of them right now, and I think if you would have started the playoffs, I think we both would have said that Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano or two drivers that are championship contenders or, you know, right below, you know, maybe the three Gibbs guys. And that's one of those guys aren't going on right now. And that's, that's a surprise. That's a big surprise to me. Well, the way the whole thing happened is really the surprising part more than anything, because, you know, if you had said to me, okay, I have, you know, I've, I've seen into the future and Brad Keselowski doesn't make it um, past Kansas. Um, I would have said, oh, well, that, you know, something must have happened to his engine or maybe yep. he got caught up in a wreck. But just the scenario of him just not being good enough to move on, that was really not a scenario I even remotely considered. Like, I, you know, he, he just won this race in May. He's he's won uh, twice here at Kansas. And, you know, I'm thinking here he's going to go in and he's going to be quite strong. Um, it, you know, there was that incident um, earlier in the race where, where he had contact and he said, I, he, I heard him come on the radio and say, did that leave a hole in my nose? Cause yeah. it, it seemed like it was, it was driving so bad or he felt like it was driving so poorly that he was actually wondering if it, it lets a hole in, in the nose. And, and Paul Wolf said, no, it, it kind of dented in the nose a little bit, but it didn't leave a hole. But, you know, asked afterwards we asked him, did that damage play a role? Um, and he said, well, I haven't seen, I haven't even seen the car. So, um, you know, it wouldn't be fair for me to comment. And I think that's true because I, you know, the, the cars pulled up on the pit road and I started trying to walk toward his car cause I wasn't sure he was going to go to the media pulpit. And by the time I, you know, it was just like 30 seconds after the, the cars had gone to pit road, he was already out of his car 
and walking toward the bullpen. I mean, he got out of his car and went straight to the media because he wanted to get it over with and leave. Um, you know, he knew that, that he was done and out of it and that was it. So, um, it was just kind of a, a weird, interesting, the way it went down was what really, really caught me off guard, especially after that first, um, you know, after he pitted for four tires and, and had track position and you're like, Oh, well now he's going to be able to move forward and chase isn't going to win. And so mm-hmm. that's it. And, and you know, it all just changed in a hurry. I agree. I mean, like you said, if, if he had an engine failure or he crashes, that was the only conceivable way I didn't see him moving on with that 20 point lead coming into the weekend, but not to have speed in their race car and to get fresh tires at the end there. Like you, I thought that was an opportunistic caution for him that was really going to be the break he needed where he was going to be able to charge forward on these on these fresh tires and get the points he needed. And again, he didn't need to be great. He just needed to be average. He only needed a couple spots. He actually just almost basically needed to hold serve is what he needed to do, and he couldn't do it. And you mentioned the nose and the, and the contact with Eric Jones there. Multiple, multiple times he came on the radio and asked, is there a hole in the nose? Is there a hole in the nose? It was almost like he was concerned. He was almost like kind of talking himself into some kind of issue because the car obviously – went from being very good at the beginning of the race because he went up there and took the lead to being very mediocre after, you know. So something happened there, he thought, and it certainly sounded like he, he thought it was the damage to the nose. And it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. But the team was telling him, you know, it, it's dented a little bit, but you're fine. It should be fine. They could never figure this out, though, which is surprising because we've seen guys hit walls before, you know, scrape walls, have damage before, and they're able to tape it up and fix it and go forward. That wasn't the case today, and, and because of that, they're going home. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh I don't know. I mean, just the fact that even even if you take that last restart um and, and you were like, okay, give Brad Keselowski a restart on relatively new tires and all he has to do is maintain his position. Um just just don't have a bad restart. I mean, you would think Keselowski out of all people. I mean, I'd put him right there with Logano and Kyle Busch and Harvick as some of the best restarters. Um, I just, yeah, just the way that happened. And, but then, you know, when you look back at it at the same time, um, and by the way, the, the haulers are rolling out here. If you hear any train whistle noises, uh, <laughs> Clint Boyer's hauler and Eric Almarola's hauler are rolling past me right now. Um, you know, if, if you look at his season, I mean, I think his last, Kozlowski's last win was the Kansas race in May. And, you know, it was at a time when you thought, okay, this is going to be the Gibbs and Penske season. And it quickly quickly became the Gibbs season as um, Logano did win, and and Blaney ends up winning obviously too. But Keselowski never won again. It's just uh, an odd thing. Um, but meanwhile, on the flip side of that, you have Chase Elliott, who, I mean, I was pretty much writing him off when he, you know, he he didn't for the second straight restart. He wasn't going to win, and it seemed like going into that restart, he was in a must win. Um, I'm like, well, he didn't, he didn't get it done. He didn't win. And so, you know, he's going to be eliminated here and just, you know, just as he did at the Roval where he crashes into the wall and then ends up winning the race and moves on. Um, you know, he, he averts disaster by having that, the, the caution come out before the white flag, I guess. I don't know if that, how much that played into it. It gave him another shot anyway with, with Denny, um, to win again um you know just the the ryan blaney caution um to to have ryan blaney's tire come apart and you know ultimately that ends up taking up uh, taking out a blaney's teammate but all these things had to line up for chase elliott again and again um to set up these various restarts and uh 
it just it worked out for him and and he made it in. It, it, he did, and it, it's been a gritty performance for this team. And I don't think that's a word that you use to describe Chase Elliott very often. But you go back to the Roll Bowl and everything that happened there, and him rallying back, you know, after crashing when he was the leader, despite having damage to his car and taking the lead and winning the race there. And at Talladega, he got caught into a couple wrecks, and there was one wreck there where he got caught up with his teammates. And it looked like he was going to have a bad day, and he was able to persevere and get a decent finish out of it. And that was that was big because those points proved to be very valuable. And then today, you know, it looked like Kyle Larson had a very fast car. It looked like uh, the obviously the Toyotas there were, were incredibly fast, and Ryan Blaney was very good as well. And Blaney just kept doing his thing and kept getting positions and kept moving up. And at the end, when Elliott, you know, he was in contention for the win, he, he maybe needed to win. This was a resounding impressive performance to me and, and this stretch of races to me really shows the maturity of chase and he's able to go out and, and get finishes on when and when they've had bad days to maximize them this is how his teammate jimmy johnson won a lot of his championships is they on bad days when he didn't have his stuff or they had mistakes they were able to overcome that that's what chase did in this round here and that that's impressive to me going forward if he can carry that well i mean i was fully prepared to come here here and talk about how all three hendrick drivers were were out and and um you know i think chase even he said afterwards um he, he thought that was the scenario that if he didn't win he was out and he had been told that he had to win and which just seemed to be the case um and even after he crossed the finish line he's like well i'm, I'm out um and, and he's able to still be in it i you know he he's also continually has said well i'm gonna have to win a race in this next round and make it through but i think when you look at the points um, now that that sort of things are evened out a little bit more, those mm-hmm. guys ahead of him don't have that many more points. I think he's only six points out starting yep. this round. Is that right? Yeah, about that. And I agree. I looked at the point standings, and I thought Truex, Hamlin, Kyle Busch were going to have a considerable advantage, and they do. I mean, they've got a cushion, no doubt, but it's not as much as you think, and it certainly opens the door where if one of those guys has an issue – Elliott goes through the next round with three great finishes. He's got a chance to point his way to Homestead. No, they don't have that many points at all. I mean, when you consider today that um, Brad Kozlowski coughed up a 20-point lead just for having an off day, not even you know a disaster like Logano had at, at um, Dover or Dover. something, right? I mean, when when you consider that, uh, you know, I think Kyle Busch only Kyle Busch is is first in points, and he only has an 18-point cushion over the cutoff, right? Yeah, I don't have it right in front of me, so I oh. apologize. No, that's okay. I think that's the case, though. So bottom line is, I mean, if you look back down to where Blaney is, I think Blaney or Larson, you know, they are they're they don't have many points. But the guys like Chase Elliott, no, they're, they're not in that bad shape at all. So we could really be talking about Chase Elliott making it to Homestead. I mean, that's really not out of the question at this point. And um, I didn't see that coming uh, late in this race today, so – Interesting stuff there as well. Um, you know, the the seasons of his two teammates end, Alex Bowman and William Byron. Clint Boyer's season ends as well. Um, any sort of uh, post-mortem on their season? Any any final thoughts on, on the campaigns of those drivers this year? I, I thought Bowman did a really good job this year of kind of coming into his own as a person and as a driver. Um, he kind of, you know, showed that he is deserving of that ride, not just because Dale Earnhardt Jr. recommended him as a driver, but he can go out there and win races or win a race. And, you know, you look at his performance at the Roval, that was incredible. That was a great effort by him and showcase of, of him as a driver. And William Byron, I think, had a great year. I think he had a breakout year in a lot of in a lot of respects. I know he didn't win a race this year yet. 
But what he and Chad Knauss have done in his second year with an organization that has been up and down and hasn't had speed at all, you know, throughout the whole season, I think they've done a really good job. And if you look at Williams' performance, you you know, he got he was in contention at Talladega and he got caught up in a wreck that he had no business being in. It was not his fault at all. You take that away, he's moving on in, in these playoffs. So I think he's had a really good year and under the radar year. I think he's poised to break out and get that first win, and I think that second win is going to quickly follow. So. You know, it, it's been a down year for Hendrick. I don't. I think that's fair to say. I know Chase Elliott's, you know, moving on, and he's got his three wins and everything, and, and Alex has got a win. And but I still think there's a lot of promise in this organization going forward. And Clint Boyer, I, and I don't know what to make out of it. I, and I don't know what to make out of Stuart Haas Racing. You know, Kevin Harvick's had a very good year. He's got three wins. He's he's certainly a championship contender. But his three teammates are, you know, so-so at times, and other times they look good. You know, Daniel Suarez was competitive for a good chunk of today's race. And there's weeks that Clint Boyer looks really good, and there's other weeks where Clint Boyer looks so-so. So it's hard to assess their season and just kind of, you know, as the totality of it and think anything but they underachieved when you compare his performance to what his teammate did in Harvick. But it's hard. But, you know, if you're Boyer, you look at this and say, okay, we need to be better, and you go into next year, and this is going to be a make-or-break year for Boyer in a lot of respects because he's got a one-year deal with Stuart Haas Racing, and if he has a year like he did next year like he did this year it, it's hard to envision him coming back to that team and then from there where does Clint go well I have to agree with you on the Hendrick part um you know I really feel like when you look at things I, you know William Byron even today right I mean in a, in a very high pressure situation he goes out and gets a top five yeah um I mean he finishes fifth and a very solid fifth he, he was he was up there almost the whole day um and really, uh, you know, except for Elliott there toward the end, I mean, of the guys who had to go do it today, um, I really feel like Byron, I mean, was was having the best performance at times. So, you know, he really, if, if he's not in this position next year where he can have a better regular season and put himself in a better, you know, give himself some more bonus points, I really think he could be, you know, a, a contender for years to come. So I think this is just the beginning for William Byron. Alex Bowman as well. You know, I mean, he, there was really times where he was just not going to take crap from anybody in this playoffs, and and uh, I I admired the way he he drove. Um, I thought that was really interesting to see him sort of break out that way. Clint Boyer, though, I feel like you know it's it's kind of going in the other direction. I don't, you know, he he's, you know, I, I just the way Stuart Haas is. I wonder if that's like a them peaking in some ways, right? Because mm-hmm. Almarola, as you mentioned and you documented, I mean Suarez as well. It, it, they just they don't seem like they they have the same strength, and you know you never really felt like oh Boyer's gonna Boyer's gonna keep rolling on through this. You just never really got that feeling. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Like, was this his best chance? You know, will he have this chance again next year? I, I don't know, but I, I definitely feel better at about Hendrick at this point, which again is not something I anticipated saying, but. Um, so what else about this race jumped out at you? You know, I know, I know that we had been sort of, you know, every every single week we're talking about Gibbs on this podcast, and but this was this was kind of a day where I thought they reasserted themselves a little bit uh, because it's not like they had fallen off the map at all. But I mean, don't you think that they maybe hadn't been quite as dominant? And now you know, the, the, you know, you have Hamlin winning, um, Kyle Busch third, and and was going to be second for a while there. Truex sixth, Eric Jones seventh. So, all four of their cars were were really good today. Yeah, and I think this was kind of a message. And you know, they haven't fallen off a cliff by by any means. 
but you look at the performance and it, it's been very good, but you go back to a mile and a half racetrack. And I think that's the big thing is, is, you know, the schedule takes them back to a mile and a half racetrack and what happens? Joe Gibbs racing is again, dominating. They all three Truex, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin looked incredibly strong today. They looked like winners. Hamlin dominated the second half of that race. And you look at how this schedule sets up and, and I feel like I'm, I just keep saying the same thing over and over again. But where's the season end? It ends at Homestead, a mile-and-a-half racetrack, which is a racetrack that favors these guys in so many ways. It's hard not to think after seeing what happened today, after seeing what happened at Las Vegas to open the playoffs, that they are not going to roll into Homestead and run away with the championship. And I don't know which one of these guys is the favorite for the championship. You could make a case for any of them. But I don't see right now a team rising up and beating Joe Gibbs Racing for the title. I, I, I could see a scenario where Larson or Kevin Harvick do it, but things are going to have to really work in their favor. And I don't know if that's going to happen or not. And in a straight-up race, I'm taking the three JGR guys. Well, I think that the competition's best chance at this point strategically is to try to do everything they can to make sure that, that the number of JGR cars are limited at Homestead, right? I mean, that is correct. Yep. Yeah. If you have three, well, obviously, I mean, that's, that's a dumb point anyway, because if you have three out of the four cars, of course, probably one of them is going to win, but just even, even two, I mean, your best chance, any of those cars would be favorites. I think if, if yeah. they're in that race uh, against, against even Harvick, like you said, so, uh, or Logano or Larson or, or Elliot, whatever. So the, the bottom line is you have to sort of make sure that, you're, that they're not there. You have to hope that they have some bad luck. You have to make sure you win races and, and go beat them. I, I don't know how easy that will be, but you're right. I mean, it's a great point that mile-and-a-half tracks, I mean, the Vegas thing. And, and, you know, I know Darlington's not a mile-and-a-half, but the fact that Eric Jones won um, at Darlington, I don't remember the last mile and a half before that. Maybe it was Kentucky. Was that yep. was that a Gibbs driver too? Like, yeah, that Kentucky? was Kurt Busch there, but they were in contention. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Well, there goes that theory. No, but anyway. No, uh, <laughs> they're just good. They're good in these intermediate yeah. racetracks anywhere. It doesn't right, matter. Right, right, And So, you know, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, if you look at it too, you talk about, well, you know, okay, three getting three Gibbs drivers to Homestead might be a, a challenge, but you look at the next round, though. What do we have? We've got Martinsville, where Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch are really, really good. Martin Truex Jr. almost won there a year ago. And then they go to Texas, which is another mile-and-a-half racetrack. And then Phoenix, which is also a really good track for all three of those guys. So I, this sets up really well for them, where these guys, you know, we talk about, well, if one of these other guys can break through and get a win and steal a spot, sure, that's all well and good. But these three racetracks set up really well for the Gibbs, and they are going to be in fa- they are going to be in contention and maybe the favorites at all three races. Any uh, that that's Kurt Busch's holler rolling past right now, so he <laughs> he heard you mention his name. Um, <laughs> what uh what what else? Any any other thing? Anything else from this race in particular before we move on? No, I mean I just the Gibbs stands out to me. I just, they just look so good today. Yeah. So. Jordan, what are people going to think about this race? Because, you know, I thought stage one was great. I was yeah. quite entertained by stage one. Stage two and most of stage three, uh, not so much. Then Ryan Blaney, um, without that caution there, who knows what would happen. But that because that caution came out from the, the tire debris, um, you know, changed everything. This changes everything caution, and it did. So it makes for an exciting finish, certainly, and you have a – some playoff drama at the end there with Chase Elliott getting in, which people are going to like. So what are people going to say about this in the Was It a Good Race poll, which you won last week once again? 
I think that people, judging by social media, and I know that that's always a risky proposition, but people are kind of, they're a little upset by the finish of the race, and they thought it was a quick caution, you know, maybe a too quick of a caution there, and that Denny Hamlin... Was it? We didn't talk about that. Was it too quick? No, well, I I think NBC did a really good job of showing video that Denny Hamlin didn't cross the finish line before the lights came on, and if you look at No, no, I get that. I get that, but I'm saying, did NASCAR call the caution too quickly? Because clearly, they, clearly they were like, oh, let's, we got to call this before the white flag. Hurry, hurry, hurry. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think in that situation, it happened right in front of them. It happened on the front stretch, and all eyes are on, you know, are, are, are the, all eyes are on the leader coming to the line. You know, did he cross the line? So I think you factor in that. I think it's not a quick caution because they're looking at this right in front of them, so there's no hesitation. And I think if it happened in turn one or turn two or somewhere else, then I think there's a bit of a hesitation just enough. In this case, there wasn't, I, and I don't have a, I don't have no issue with it. And frankly, if you look at the crash, you you want a quick caution. We we sometimes say to NASCAR, you know, hey, what, what's going on here? And I think in this case, it's warranted. Well, anyway, I interrupted your point though because uh, you were starting to talk about the how people view the race. You you were, yep. you were saying that people were upset with the finish. They did seem upset. They did seem upset. They did think it was a little bit too quick of a caution, and then you know the you know the machination and everything that happened after that, and you know whether is. You know, this was on the up and up or not, which is to me is a ridiculous premise because it, this was this was a race. This was a, a straight up race, and if you look at it, the cautions at the end were, were legit, and there was no question about why were they warranted or not. And so, I, I don't have an issue with it. And I think this, if you look at the totality of this race, the the first stage was really entertaining. After that, when Denny Hamlin took control in stage two, it kind of definitely shifted. And from there, it it was you know it was pretty kind of clear who's going to win this race. And I think when you factor in that. I would say probably 60% is my, probably the number I'll go with for is it a good poll? Is it a good race in the poll? Interesting, interesting. Okay, 60. That was that was lower than I was thinking. So I'll just go with the, the original number I was going to throw out there. I was going to say 70. Okay. But now you're, you're definitely making me doubt myself because I think you raised some really good points. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just go with 70. It, yeah, it probably will be in the 60s. I can't imagine it being lower than 60. No. I, I think the fav- the thing that has that will work in favor of this is that Chase Elliott is moving on. And, you know, there's a lot of Chase Elliott fans. And it was entertaining at the end. It was it was interesting. You didn't know what was going to happen. There was a lot of drama. There was not necessarily drama with who's going to win the race. Um, that seemed kind of a foregone conclusion for the most part. But you didn't know. And you had the Logano incident at the end there. And he was, you know, was he going to get in? Was he not going to get in? Keselowski's issues. And then the whole chase thing. So you factor in that. I understand why people may think this is a little higher. And now I'm talking myself out of 60. So I'm just going to stop talking. <laughs> no, you were before you were talking me into going lower. And now you're you're giving me hope that maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll be able to beat you this week. Um, this, well, this, Jordan, this poll, this poll is terrible yeah. for me because I just I, I talk myself. Into it's not, though. Then, uh, it's not. You, you've been nailing it. You you were off only one percent last week. I think you've nailed it exactly right before. I think was since we started doing, or at least you know, since the playoffs started, um, I think I've only beaten you like one week on this poll or something. Uh, so you're you've been really, you've been on it lately. You've been on it. Well, but yeah. um, you know, Jordan, of course, that the reason we are doing this and talking is because we're both employees of the Athletic, and although this podcast is free, um, we do live behind a paywall, and we'd like people to check out our content there and it's really not that hard to do it's not like um even the cost of buying like a couple newspapers or something i mean it's quite quite uh affordable because we have a 40 percent off deal right now have you heard about this 
I have heard about it, and it is a great deal, and it's for, I would say, about one cup of coffee a month. You'll get some great coverage, not just NASCAR and, you know, across the motorsports spectrum, but really across sports. We cover, you know, the Athletic has great reporters up and down, and if you are a sports fan and you're not a subscriber of the Athletic, you are missing out. Well, I feel that's the case personally, but I hope that they feel that way also because, um, yeah, it's not just us you're getting when you subscribe. You're getting all the sports. Um but anyway, there's the, the deal right now, the code, it, it's only good for the rest of the playoffs. So it's theathletic.com slash green flag. Type that into your browser and uh, you will get the 40% off deal for an annual subscription. So hopefully you'll take advantage of that because this is the only free uh, thing we're doing these days. We're everything else um, because the athletic is investing in the coverage. They need to make their money back somehow or else we're not going to be having our jobs that we enjoy. So um, that's where uh, that's where the subscriptions come in, and hopefully you'll be reading stuff like I have my top five on there. Oh, I guess guess who my 12 questions is with this week? Mm, I know the answer, so it's not fair for me to guess. You do know that it's Garrett Smithley, huh? Yes, I do know. <laughs> that was and... not planned. That was not no, at all planned. Hey, this was what? recorded we'll... at, at Charlotte, this, this 12 questions. It's unfortunate you didn't interview him after Saturday. That would have been great. Well, I did, just outside the care center. <laughs> well, yes. Okay, let me rephrase that. It would have been great if you had interviewed him for the 12 questions after Saturday. I don't think that would have made a very good 12 questions. I beg the difference. I don't think that would have been in a very good mood there for Mr. Smithley. But... Um, Yes, yeah, so that's question the kind of speaking yeah, of uh-huh. him. I, I was talking to some people who were at the race today and they were made a couple comments that he was driving extremely low on the racetrack as faster cars were going around him. And I just thought was that is that true as you were sitting up in the press box watching this? Well, I I only noticed it once when um Kyle Larson was coming up upon him and I noticed that Smithley sort of like gave him like a lot of room and got out of his way and I just thought, huh, I wonder if he's sort of doing an extra careful job but um you know he did finish the race today where was he he ends up finishing 34th and he was 10 laps down in his number 52 car so he did beat teammate josh balicki um i guess he was the second to last car that was running josh balicki was the last car that was running and then garrett smithley and then reed Sorensen. so he was out there today uh, I feel bad for the dude in some ways just because um, obviously it's not like he was trying to do that, but at the same time, really bad, uh, bad mistake. So you want to guess whose hauler that is? Uh, Garrett Smithley? <laughs> I was setting you up for that. No, it's not. That was Kyle Larson's hauler. Uh, you would never well, close, to guess too. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's right. I did. I just yeah. did just mention Kyle Larson, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, so. you did. If we keep mentioning people's names, we will summon them with their holler driving by and blowing the horn on the podcast. So, yeah. Anyway, Jordan, um, of course, next week we're going to flip-flop where you will be at the track and I will not. So you will be heading to Martinsville and I will be home. Well, the last time I'll be home in Portland, Oregon because I'm, I'm moving. So, uh, yes, that, that will be a, an interesting podcast. Can't wait to find out what happens at Martinsville. And, of course, thanks to all of you so much for listening to our podcast here called The Teardown. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks so much, everybody.